Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Back to another edition of Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. We like to call it the Hump Day edition of Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. The NCAA doesn't want us to forget about them. They sent a memo. We'll discuss. We'll get into that coming up here. Uh, also go behind the burnt orange curtain, discuss Texas defense a little bit. CBS Sports think they'll likely improve this year. Uh, we'll get into the reasons why. Also, we'll get into some of the uh, summer enrollees that are standing out for Texas football into the baseball world, Shohei does it again. And but I mean, again, I mean, makes history. Seems like he does it every damn time he plays. We'll discuss that. Rangers win, Astros lose. I feel like I say that way too much these days. We'll get into that too. We'll go also into the NFL world. NFL news notes and nuggets. Dallas Cowboys should they pursue Dalvin Cook? Apparently, he is weighing several offers. Uh, one of those offers should be the Dallas Cowboys. We'll discuss that. Pro Football Focus ranks all the secondaries in the NFL. Micah's putting on weight. We'll talk about why that's important for. Michael Parsons and the Dallas Cowboys and DeAndre Hopkins. Finally, finally, more than two teams have interest in the former All-Pro wide receiver. All of that and more before we do, let's introduce you to the rest of the crew. He's one of the hardest working members for the ARN family. Uh, he's got a hustle spirit, period. We don't know what he's paid, but he's underpaid. Also known as the idealionaire is Patrick Davis, y'all. What's going on, Patrick? Doing good, doing good. Uh, yeah, man, we got a lot to get into on the show. If you want to reach Patrick or any of us, you can do so via the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. You also can uh, hit us up via Twitter. I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. You can hit me up there. Uh, my man Patrick Davis at It's Patrick Davis. And, yes, if you want to uh, reach to my man Harge, who is on a very, very much-deserved vacation, uh, well-deserved vacation, you can hit him up at Hardball Harge in the Twitterverse. Um, all right, so we'll get to a ton of different sports topics. Also, we got some NBA um, because NBA free agency, we're uh, getting closer and closer to it, and uh, there's a lot of uh, rumors out there. Of course, we know how crazy the the NBA free agency frenzy can get, uh, so we'll discuss that too coming up a little bit later on. We'll do that in the uh, four o'clock hour. We'll get into some NBA news, notes, and nuggets, and. A little bit, and I'm sure my man Patrick's going to like this, Sean Elliott, I believe, went on Dan Patrick and gave us a little preview into what they uh, discussed in some of the goings-on with the Legends Dinner that Wimby had with Tim Duncan, David Robinson was there, Manu was there. Uh, no Tony Parker, but he's got, you know, he's just international they already know guy. each other. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, so I'm, yeah, this is exactly. He probably feel he probably feel the need to go there and meet him and hang out because he did used to play on his team. Yeah, so they they already have a relationship. I think he's getting to true. know the other guys. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So, uh, but either way, uh, we got some sound from uh, Sean Elliott breaking down exactly what was going on uh, during that uh, that game, that legend. Sorry, that game, that legends dinner uh, that was going on between uh, all of these Spurs legends. So we'll get to that coming up a little bit later on in the four o'clock. All right, let's start with the uh, the NCAA and this uh, this memo that was uh, reportedly sent to all the I don't know all the NCAA teams, all the teams that are under the NCAA umbrella, and essentially, uh, basically, what this it just in short, what this memo uh, was warning all the NCAA um, teams or members about was. Uh, violating NCAA rules, basically, uh, in favor of states' rules. So they wanted to make it clear that although every different state has their own NIL laws, which is true, and by the way, Texas just changed one of their NIL laws we'll get into, um, they wanted to point out several different things, but one of the main uh, points of the points of reference of the memo was they prefer that their member institutions follow NCAA rules, prioritize those over states' laws. And I did say rules over laws. They want you to follow their rules over the laws. And I don't know, any lawyer that practices any type of law anywhere on the planet will tell you, hey, follow the law, not the rule. Now, living in a house with your mom and daddy, that's different. I believe mom and daddy might got some rules that actually got nothing to do with the laws. And don't you need to follow mom and daddy. You know, if mom and, make, make mom and daddy love you, doing what's right for you, you follow mom and daddy rules because I'll, I'll admit that ain't got nothing to do with the law. Yeah. That's, right? that's other stuff. So, but it, when you're an adult, you go seek legal advice of any kind. And basically, that's where this is going to end up in the legal arena of some kind. They would advise you to follow the law to hell with the rule. Yeah. The law, not your, the rule. Your employer can give you a rule. Oh, also military, that, which I think is kind of military law once you're in the military. Yeah, yeah. I believe that's other stuff, too. So that's but, but, all for and Military, it, then that you're, that you're under your parents' uh, supervision at home. Yeah, like an employer can be like, hey, we have a dress code. And you should follow the dress code because otherwise they can fire you because you're not following the rules. However, if uh, if arbitrarily somebody walks by your office and goes, hey, uh, I don't like you guys wearing shorts. Uh, uh, I think uh, everyone in Austin should be wearing pants now. <laughs> then uh, they do not have to follow that rule. And that, yes. is, that is what the NCAA is trying to do. I, I just wonder who snitched. Like, you know, it was just somebody... Like it's some coaches or some teams are that are going to the NCAA and going, you have to do something. This is out of control. And they're like, what do you, what do you want us to do? And they go, you write a strongly worded letter, strongly worded memo, memo. That's why you do it, memo. That's the way to do it. That's the way to affect change. Here's the um, the wording here by the NCAA: Schools who do not like the application of a particular rule should work through the NCAA governance process to change the rule. Uh. In other words, basically, you don't like the rule, go through them. They said, uh, and they basically sent out, it was kind of a question and answer uh, part of the memo as well, which uh, the athletic had, and I screenshots to get it. So basically, question number six, this is the memo, I'm reading the memo. Some current and proposed state laws appear to now prohibit the NCAA from enforcing its rules. Once again, laws and rules. Uh, what is the NCAA's position on its approach when an institution in one of those states violates NCAA legislation? NCAA legend. Don't be saying it like that. You know. Man, come on. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, how about this? The NCAA rules are adopted by members. This is the answer to it. The NCAA rules are adopted by member schools. Uh, it is not fair to those schools who follow the rules to not enforce rules against those who choose not to do so. Schools who do not like the application of a particular rule should work through the NCAA governance process to change the rule unless and until the membership changes a particular rule. All schools, as part of a voluntary membership, are required to comply. It is voluntary. 
Which means they could be just saying, hey, man, let's start the emancipation process right now. I know you guys want out. You guys don't want to be under our jurisdiction anymore. So let's, you know, can you start this process now? And I don't disagree with it. I think ultimately, you know, a lot of Nick Saban has talked about this. A lot of people talked about it. There will be a separation from the NCAA at one point where you will get your power conferences, probably a, a four power super conferences of some kind. And then they will, because it's such a you know, revenue generating situation with the football, that football will separate in that manner. Other sports will remain under the NCAA because the, they, they make all their money from the NCAA tournament pretty yeah. much. The NCAA tournament is like, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's like 80 to 90% of the entire NCAA's budget uh, comes through the, I don't know, the NC, whatever, the NCAA tournament somehow. So, I, yeah, I, I think that's inevitable. And maybe right now they are just daring teams to do it. Like, hey, man, just go start the pro- or daring conferences. I mean, it had to be probably a conference more than anything. Um, but, yeah, the lawyers that are involved here are laughing at this memo. Yeah. This this reminds me of I was working in a, uh, a different job in radio, and uh, they were having issues of stuff getting stolen out of the closet, equipment getting stolen out of the closet. And this was before I worked there, and somehow it was my fault. And then <laughs> so they came and they were like, well, we need to figure something out. So let's put in a sign-in, sign-out sheet so that people won't be able to steal anymore. I'm like, you know, they can still steal, right? And they're like, well, we have to do something. I'm like, well, that doesn't do anything. Like, I get you think you're doing something, you think you're doing but something. you're not doing anything. Because no. they're just like, hey, you know how you were lying and deceitful before? Continue being lying and deceitful. <laughs> but now we have a sheet of paper that is completely arbitrary. That's what the NCAA is like. Hey, you guys, you keep doing what you're doing. We're just, we just have to every once in a while pretend like we care. Yeah, where's, where's the enforcement? Where's that going to happen? If you really, if these arbitrary rules that you're throwing out there really matter, just go enforce them. Just go out there and enforce them. And they won't do that. And even Nick Saban laid out why they won't do that, because they're scared of litigation. They're, they're afraid of litigation, and especially if litigation goes always to the Supreme Court. Remember, the Supreme Court has pretty much come out against the NCAA, too. Um, and I, I, I imagine other courts of a lower tier will, will, will take, you know, take heed of the Supreme Court stance against the NCAA. Here's, here's what a... Uh, this is Justice Brett Kavanaugh. He was on a con- he was just commenting on a, a an opinion um, about the NCAA. He wrote the NCAA is not above the law and the NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any in any other industry in America. Everyone agrees the everyone agrees that the NCAA can require student athletes to be enrolled students in good standing. But the NCAA's business model of using unpaid student athletes to generate billions of dollars in revenue for colleges raises serious concerns under the antitrust laws. And hell, um, Justice Gorsuch wrote, put simply, um, he was talking about the NCAA, and he also had a very kind of stern opinion against the NCAA. No, nobody likes the NCAA. They have no body in their corner. The fans out there, sports fans, you don't like them. Politicians don't like the NCAA. The courts don't like the NCAA. Commissioners don't like the NCAA. Uh, ADs don't like the NCAA. They, they, nobody likes the NCAA. And, yeah, yeah, of course, IRS is like that, too. But at least they got enforcement power. You ain't got to like the IRS, but you better do what the hell they say. It's law. This is a rule. Yeah. And they try. And the thing about the NCAA is they, I understand now why they want this you know, the, 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 they want more, they want help, they want federal uh, support trying to help reinforce their, their rules. But this is the problem with the NCAA. This is my big problem with the NCAA and always has been. And I'm glad now that the courts and that the conferences are pretty much calling out the NCAA. I mean, this is pretty much, this is, poli- this is politics now. Right? It's political. They're trying to get, they want Capitol Hill involved. Everybody does. It's like Capitol Hill, get involved. It's getting political. Right, and what did what did Miles say about politics? Politics is war without bloodshed, <laughs> and war is politics with bloodshed. This is they're going at each other now. This is the NCAA's. They're all, they're discreetly saying, "Man, do do it. Whatever you're gonna do, just do it." Because right now we don't have any power. I think what they want is the big money entities to leave the NCAA. That way they can still govern over what's left. Whatever's left, they'll govern over that. And the big money will end up leaving the NCAA. But here's my big problem with them. All right. My big question to the NCAA, I know they got a new president too. 
would be, you know, what do you do here, right? What's your purpose here? And what I mean by that is they've been exposed recently. Like when you had the, take the North Carolina academic fraud scandal. It was an academic fraud scandal that even UNC admitted that it permitted conduct and courses uh, to occur for 18 years. Uh, basically, they, they, they made up classes at times, just kind of made up classes. Academic, probably the largest academic fraud scandal in the history of college sports. Yeah. At least you know they got the, caught. And they, they readily admitted yeah. it. They, they, they gave up everything. It's like, yeah, man, sometimes we didn't even know what was going on. It was so interwoven into our, you know, our culture and our uh, administration. We didn't even realize what was going on. It was so, it was grandfathered in. I got the job. They didn't realize, like, what the hell's going on here? This is how y'all do business? Um, the NCAA decided that North Carolina did not violate any NCAA rules. The largest academic fraud scandal in history of college sports. They actually did not violate NCAA rules, just so you know. Technically, it didn't. Remember the Larry Nassar scandal? This guy responsible for yes. sexually assaulting out scores of young, young mm-hmm. women. I believe, uh, yeah, anyway, people. He was a horrible, disgusting human being. And he worked for Michigan State in their athletic department. Uh, After the scandal was all said and done, he was sent to, I think, at least 40 years in prison for sexually assaulting his patients. NCAA decided, looked at everything, decided no NCAA violation had taken place. So (laughs) basically talking about some of the most disgusting, horrible crimes that you can commit as a person within our legal system and legal code are not NCAA violations of any kind? Apparently not. Uh, hell, I think we're still kind of waiting on the Baylor thing. I don't know exactly what's yeah. what happened. I mean, we, I, I don't know if no. they decided. Penn that State, I don't think, got much. Penn State, oh, actually Penn State, remember, they, they were heavy-handed on Penn State okay. and then walked it back. Walked it back. That was. I was like, I don't think they got something terrible. I don't remember <laughs> they, them. They 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 decided they were too heavy-handed about child se- sexual child abuse. Yeah, they were too heavy-handed about pedophilia. A little too heavy-handed on it. We well, and, we, and again, oh, we overreacted. And, and, we may have overreacted to that. So what was initially a sixty million dollar fine by the NCAA, five years probation, stripped of one hundred and eleven wins, banned from the postseason for four years, and doc scholarships over four years. Uh, they rescinded the postseason ban and scholarships after they were imposed for two years. Uh, the Penn State will have to donate the $60 million to a child abuse counseling practice, I believe. And then, remember, they gave back the wins to Joe Paterno, who we found out later on, Joe Paterno, also horrible, disgusting human being who knew about the Jerry Sandusky about, allegations yeah. since the 70s. Yeah. Thank God I didn't go to that school because they were down to my top five. Something about them just told me they wasn't right. Lord, God was on my side. Thank God for Mac Brown. Sitting on my mama's couch drinking her sweet tea. God bless that man. Love me some Mac Brown. Um, that's why. I, we can't give it back to them. We cannot give it back to them. They, they don't have a moral compass. They have a money compass. Yeah. Because when anybody is found giving money to players, money to players. Oh, that breaks. That's that's a violation of the NCAA rules. But what about sexual abuse? What about child sexual abuse? What about those types of crimes against humanity? No. What about the largest academic fraud scandal in the history of college sports? No, 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 not that either. So those are not NCAA violations. Hey. But me giving a player a hundred dollar handshake is. You're disgusting. Yeah. You're a borderline criminal syndicate, and you're just mad now. You've seen all this windfall of cash show itself, and you're like, damn, we could have had some of that. Yeah, if you've been a little bit progressive, you might have been able to get some of that, but you, you wouldn't. So now you're out of the game. To, to say, hey, we can't pay the players, but they're getting an education. And then you go, well, they weren't getting an education. You go, well, well what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, I mean, and the whole paying players thing is that, you know, we everyone knows about the bag, man. Every school has these people. Like, it is so widespread and everybody knows it exists that they can't enforce it fully because if they do, then there's not a college football for, for what, the next few seasons? If they were to come mm-hmm. down and go, hey, so basically the entire SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, uh, Pac-12, uh, all Power 5 schools have been suspended for two seasons <laughs> because uh, they were all paying players. 
because everyone at least did it for a couple of guys. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not as widespread everywhere, but every once in a while you see a big recruit go somewhere and you're like, I wonder how that deal got, that deal got sued. <laughs> exactly. How that, like, he, why is he going there? Uh, no, it's so. I, listen, the NCAA. I, I, I'm just anti NCAA for a long time. Remember, they had a chance to be progressive, and EA Sports offered them a deal where they would make the video game, the college sports game, and then they would give the players all compensation. They'd give them all a stipend of some kind, um, just to you know uh, try to ease the tension. A little olive branch between everybody, and the NCAA could have slowly started baby steps toward this process of getting of changing some of their rules to make to modernize them and they chose to kill the game rather than give any players any money you'd rather kill it it's one of the most popular ways to promote your sport kill it we'd rather see it die what's the old (laughs) like that's crazy that's like that's the old uh biblical tale about solomon like you you rather you rather just kill the game or not just kill it kill it but that was that was the beginning of if we give them if we give them any room it's over for us and we know that so we have to just keep fighting it back and stealing money from these children for us as young men for as long as possible and women because the second that we mm-hmm. the second that we pull like we as soon as NIL comes out we're still stealing money like we're still stealing money hand over fist cuz we're not paying the we're not paying them we're just allowing them to get money but now now everybody realizes how terrible we are so uh yeah, now the charade is over. Yeah, <laughs> right? we knew as soon as Emperor it happened. No clothes. Once you open it, once you open that door and let someone go in the front yard, they're like, "Well, I can breathe the air." Yeah, yeah. I know we lied to you for a long time, didn't we? Yeah, exactly. And listen, I'm not saying that we don't need guardrails and oversight and regulations on NIL in the transfer portal. I think we do need it. The NCAA had their chance if they really care <laughs> about. Player, uh, you know, players' rights, and they cared about amateurism and all that. They had their chance, and they chose to do nothing and exploit, as Patrick said, young people and get money. And they, they, they see, they saw the sports industrial complex made this a billion dollar business, and they still kept the million dollar business model they had from forty years ago. I forgot about the Kansas basketball when they. When everybody was like, oh, no, we know. We're going to have to put sanctions on them. And they were like, try. And they had stripper poles and shot money into the crowd <laughs> with Snoop Dogg when they were going to get sanctioned for paying players. They shot money into the crowd. And we're like, what are you going to do, NCAA? And they did nothing. Uh, speaking of that, Ross Bjork for Texas A&M uh, regarding the memo from the NCAA says the state law is going to govern how we do business. In terms of this, the state law will, uh, uh, will reign. And that's how we'll move forward. Uh, uh, Wills, uh, Patrick Smith, Texas One yep. Fund, uh, executive director side, not only are we doing things in the community, not only are we helping our student athletes, we're also giving donors the benefit of, which is a game changer. So one of the, and I'm not going to go through the entire memo for you for the NCAA because it's boring, but also something they brought up uh, were in connection to the new Texas state law, which will take effect, I believe, in July, which will allow um, organizations within um, athletic departments like uh, the the Longhorn Found Texas One Fund, um, it will allow them to reward boosters and donors, those who donate, with benefits and perks. And I think for Texas, it's based on their point system. Um, and based on that point system, uh, different boosters and donors can, you know, get better ticket uh, access and better seats, parking. You know, it really has an effect on where you kind of move up uh, in the, you know, the, the, the point system and the rating system that they have. Every university has one for all their donors and you get perks based on how much money you give. Uh, now they can apply that structure to NIL. Based on the new law, they can say, "Now nah, you get you get a perk. We'll give you a perk. We'll give you some some points that help you get better parking or help you get better ticket access to some of these games." And with the SEC happening, and I think the the law is uh, House Bill two eight zero four takes effect July first, and uh, the NCAA understands this is going to give a lot of schools in Texas a tremendous advantage in the NIL race, in arms race. But not only that, other states will copy Texas. Because they'll see the advantage Texas schools are getting and go, hey, 
Tennessee legislators, y'all need to change this law, man. We're losing recruiting yeah. battles because Texas guys has disadvantage. And every state has a different advantage. They they baked them into the laws. Um, and based on whatever state you're in, you know, you can have a different advantage in your NIO law. And basically all the laws will keep changing to copy whatever unique advantage is thought of by whatever state legislature you know, decides to pioneer something new, go, oh, you know what? We'll allow, because I believe, like, you go look at it, there's some schools, like Arkansas, athletes are allowed to collect money for appearances made on behalf of their fundraising foundation. In Missouri, um, they allow state high school athletes to begin collecting NIL checks. You know what I mean? So it's it's all about, hey, this will help me get an advantage. Can I, you know, somehow deliver this bag, you know, know, above board uh, before... he gets or she gets to the university. That way I can win the recruiting battle. And all the laws are just built that way. Vague and very, you know, uh, advantageous to the schools in their state. And, and why not? I'm not mad at that. But the point is, it's, I don't know when Uncle Sam will get frustrated with it. They're trying to get Uncle Sam involved and get this uh, it's kind of federal unanimity with the NIL law. But let's, we all know, if you're keeping up with any news, it, it, Uncle Sam is busy. Uncle, you know, our federal government's got a lot going on. And I think a lot of us would agree, hey, man, there, there are bigger fish to fry than the federal government decide to tackle this issue. They will. They will. We just don't know how long. And that little period in between when they decide to tackle it and approach it and come up with federal legislation and now – Man, wow, wow, West. So all the schools are saying and all the states are saying, hey, we got to get it while we can. Because we know sooner or later Uncle Sam's going to come in and say, hey, guys, uh, all right, you know what? Enough of it. Yeah, This is the way y'all, y'all going to have to do it. And nobody, will, the, the, the participants right now, they don't want that. NCAA wanted, but as much as they'll say it, they don't really want. And I'm not, not saying all of them, but like the big, the big dogs, like the Texas of the world, they benefit from this chaos. Now, if you're a lower on the totem pole, yeah, you, you might need some federal legislation to come help you give you more of an even playing field. But if you're Texas and you can be basically the, the, the capital of the NIL sports world, why would you want any yeah. regulation? My, my, my guess is, is there will be <laughs> a point regulation. where a lot of players start to, for lack of a better word, unionize and get together. And players will start to get together, and that's when – You'll start to see them be like, hey, okay, you know what, government? Let's go in and break this up. Uh, we, we're all good about it when we can control the situation. But if the, if the players are going to start controlling the situation, then we need some more rules about it and get it back to where we're in control, and then we'll be good. Um, Nick Saban wants that. Nick Saban's I, I, on the record for saying, he's like, man, I think unionization might be the future. And remember the former Big Ten commissioner, was his name was Kevin Warren, who's now in the NFL? Yeah, yeah. He was well, moving because, that way. And there's the thing, is, like, there are certain schools that want it because the schools that are very profitable understand exactly. they will dominate. <laughs> they will dominate. If we're prob- because the problem is yeah. I have to get these guys to give up something for nothing. But if I can sell it and we can give them something to give yeah. us money and we'll pay the players, perfect. We'll, we'll dominate. And I what? at least half of the schools are basically out of the competition because they run at even or at a deficit in their sports programs. And that's why I come back to there will be an emancipation at one point. Yeah. The big-time college football teams, they will separate and leave. Yeah. Top 60, whatever, super conferences, that's got to happen. If if this goes unchecked for any longer, this will expedite. It will hasten And then the weirdest part process. is looking at that, when you give the numbers the other day about you know what – conferences have the best uh, NIL numbers and the SEC's lower on that yet they're still yeah they're still know. they power conference that's been the national championship game every year cuz the SEC still under the table under the table though, league still but when you talk about it hey you want to enforce NIL laws you're like hey man i think you're a little bit behind on this one cuz they're <laughs> they're still dominating and something's going on over there well, because yes yeah, it's just easier to still do it you know, you got the yeah. apparatus already in place, the mechanism in place for the under-the-table black market stuff. Yeah. This NIL stuff is relatively new. Hey, man, we, it, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it ain't, <laughs> in the SEC, it ain't broke. Here's one other little stipulation about the law. Stipulation about the law. It's a, uh, another part of the, the law. And this, this is what the NCAA is really upset about. Because this part of the law, essentially, it, it castrates the NCAA. Uh, from a Texas standpoint in the NIL world. I'll read it to you. An athletic association, an athletic conference, or any other group or organization with authority over intercollegiate athletics programs at an institution to which this section applies in Texas may not enforce a 
contract term, a rule, a regulation, a standard, or any other requirement that prohibits the institution from participating in intercollegiate athletics or otherwise penalize the institution or the institution's intercollegiate athletic program for performing, participating in, or allowing an activity required or authorized by this article. What? They're basically saying you can't touch us for operating, you know, our own NIO law, for enforcing our NIO law. Yeah. Everybody that operates with NIO law is, is safe, and if the NCAA comes after them, we'll come after you. Like, that's, that's yeah. kind of how I think. They're like, how the hell? They're basically saying they're untouchable. You can't touch them. I don't know how. I don't know what this game of chicken. I have no idea what it's going to end up in court. So know how you know yeah. where it ends up in court. Like how? No, but I, I mean that's. I think the NCAA didn't come out and actually enforce. Like they didn't even go out and go after some smaller school to just make an example out of somebody. They just sent a strongly worded letter. They sent a strongly worded letter. I wish you would mow your grass, guys. Nice. <laughs> oh, it's an eyesore for the whole neighborhood. No. But they don't even, they're not even HOA. You're not even HOA. HOA has more power than the NCAA. It's like in our neighborhood. It's like, yeah. hey, you can't tell me to cut my grass. Yeah. There's wildflowers in there. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll get back into this, but, I mean, it's fascinating. Um, I'll say this. This is my last little point on it before we move on. Remember the, na- remember the name Walter Byers. I always bring this up. Walter Byers is essentially the founding father of the NCAA. Consider him to be George Washington or John Adams, Thomas Jefferson of the NCAA. He's one of those. He'd be if there was a Mount Rushmore for the NCAA, he's one of the guys that's on it. He basically he's the one that came up with and modernized amateurism as we know it. And as is as is currently is legislated, he is the one that came up with the term amateurism. And he here's some of the uh, the critiques about him. The New York Times said Byers was sometimes known as that power mad Walter Byers and described him as a secretive, despotic, stubborn and ruthless man. Uh, Mike Francesca, uh, Mike Francesca once referred to him as an Oz like figure who ran the NCAA with ultimate control. The Harvard Crimson described him as a power mad uh, authoritarian. Byers uh, was also described as a petty tyrant at times. Uh, The Chicago Sun-Times described his reign as near dictatorial um, and he was described as a dictator by The Washington Post. You get the point. In his later life, before he died. He felt such guilt. They wrote a book called The Unsportsmanlike Conduct Exploiting College Athletes, where he turned against his own monster he created. He turned against it. He called the he basically said he developed the term student athlete in order to insulate the colleges from having to provide long term disability payments to players injured while playing their sport. He's, he, he, and he also pled that Congress should enact a comprehensive college athlete's bill of rights at the time when he wrote the book. And said the federal government should require deregulation of a monopoly business operated by not-for-profit institutions contracted together to achieve maximum financial returns. College amateurism is an economic camouflage for monopoly practice, one which operates an airtight racket of supplying cheap athletic labor. He wrote that. Like Karl Marx turning this Marxism. That's like our founding fathers turning their backs on democracy and capitalism because they saw, oh man, you know, but it's, it's actually bad for the human race. He, this is a, an institution that was founded in corruption. That was the purpose of it. It didn't. It's you know, people you know criticize you know, capitalism, criticize democracy. Those entities were corrupted. All right, it can be corrupted. The NCAA was born of corruption. That is its genesis. That was its purpose: exploitation. I don't think you can come back from that. And they've never tried to reinvent themselves. They've always stayed that same entity that Walter Byers, the a first executive director of the NCAA that he created, which he admitted, I created for exploitation to hide corruption. That's I'll end it on that. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk baseball on the other side. Show hey does it again right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful number. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Right here on 104 Now the Horn. Uh, for those who are not familiar, uh, Hump Day editions of Ball Don't Lie on 104 Now the Horn. That's when the idealionaire, Patrick Davis, uh, that's when he plays jams from a particular soundtrack that inspired him. And then, based on these selections that are played, uh, usually Harge and myself have to uh, gather the clues and hints, all the breadcrumbs that lead us to the featured film of Midweek Movie Music. And wow. Not gonna lie to you. This Lost. is the 80s, though. Is it the 80s? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Okay. So I wonder if that'll at least tell me what the, the decade I'm dealing with here. The range of movies. Yes. All right. That's basically what I take from that. I don't, I don't even know who this is. Can I ask that? It's uh, Al Jarreau. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. That's all I got. I'll wait for the second clue. Okay. Uh, Spec text line, 512-337-3776. I had to silence the spec text line just momentarily while I attempt to do my best to guess the featured film for midweek movie music. Usually I embarrass myself, uh, and especially without hards. I'm definitely going to embarrass myself. Uh, but I'll do my best. And uh, you guys usually get it way before me. That's why, in order to keep it fair. I got to silence the spec text line just for a little while. Uh, okay. Uh, we'll get to uh, some... Uh, Astros, Ghost Rules, and Rangers uh, discussion. Uh, the Astros lost. Rangers got a big win, a way to bounce back. I told you guys yesterday, the Rangers were just distracted. I mean, they, they were, I think they're, they're looking forward to the Astros. They got later this week, and then they got the All-Star break coming up, last home stand before the All-Star break, and the Detroit Tigers are not a good baseball team at all. And they've been struggling. All, as a matter of fact, that was the seventh win I think they had had the entire month of June <laughs> was against the Rangers. Uh, and the Rangers did bounce back. 8-3 win over uh, Detroit. So uh, uh, the Rangers uh, keep their uh, lead. And it is a, it's a good size lead. I think still five games over uh, the, actually, over the Angels or the Astros. Are they tied now? I haven't looked at the, the standings. I mean, they were they were a couple games. They, they haven't played the same amount of games. Okay, I want to say they were like a, a so game they were, they were or a half. five away, but they're the game Angels have played game. two more games. Okay, so yeah. that is where the, right. the discrepancy was. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was a little too close for comfort, and the Astros lost again. Uh, so uh, Framber, well. <laughs> It's usually you can count on a Framber Valdez start, and he's been hot. He's been one of the hottest pitchers in Major League Baseball. Um, he didn't have his stuff. Um, he didn't have his best stuff. We are so. now, yes, we are now uh, a game behind the Angels. We are now uh-huh. third. See? They have two games up at us in the win column, uh-huh. tied in the loss column. There you go. I don't like Six it. Six games back from the I know. Actually, I'm torn. All right? As a sports fan, I love it. Yeah. As an Astros fan, I hate it. <laughs> but as a sports fan, how could you not like it? Because... The best sports story right now in all the sports, in my opinion, is Shohei Otani. And unfortunately for Astros fans, uh, he is a big part of why the Angels are surging right now oh, in yeah. that division. Can I give you some of this? Okay, so last night he had a, a crazy – he had two home runs. He had, okay, so last night six innings pitched for him. Uh, they end up winning the contest four to two. Uh, the Angels won. He had six innings pitched. Ended up with 10 strikeouts, gave up one earned run. Uh, at the plate, three hits, two home runs, two RBIs. So now, as a hitter, he's hitting 304 uh, with a 1.04 OPS. Uh, as a pitcher, his uh, opposing batting average is 180, 
and opposing OPS is 600. And in the month of June, Shohei, 13 home runs and 37 strikeouts. He is the first player with 35 plus, at least 35 strikeouts and at least 10 home runs, I should say, in a month. Um, the only, however, there's only one player has had a 10 home run month and a 35K month at any point in their career, let alone at the same time in the same month. And that was Babe Ruth, of course. A lot of Babe Ruth comparisons with Shohei. But I, I, you know, I posed the question that I did yesterday. Is there anybody on the planet playing their sport as well as Shohei is playing his right now? Any sport. Mahomes, Lionel Messi. I don't. I don't. I mean, I'm throwing names out there. No, I mean, and to do it on both sides, to do it as a pitcher and a hitter, and like that game last night, Mike Trout's out for a routine day off. Uh, Anthony Rendon's on the ten day disabled list. So like you're, you're saying that he's going out there with the lesser team and still getting a W, even when you're dealing with having some guys out. I mean, he's he, he is so must watch television. How about this? On days he pitches. And it, they're going to start putting him on television every time he pitches on whatever the big game is that night. Yeah. Trying to get him on a primetime game. I don't know the primetime schedules for Major League Baseball, but they got to do it. Um, on days when he pitches, you know what he's batting? 407. <laughs> <laughs> he, on days when he pitches, he's batting 407 with a 1.280 OPS. Highest OPS by a player in a game when they pitch since 1901. Second highest batting average. Got to go back to Walter Johnson in 1925, who batted 440 on days he would pitch. Walter Johnson was a beast. I'm lying. I have no idea what Walter Johnson is. Um, but I'm sure he was a monster. Just looking at this stat. He's a beast. So you're talking about the, and you look at most pitching strikeouts in a calendar month since 1900, who also hit 10 plus home runs. Uh, Shohei did it in 2021. He's doing it in June. He did it in June of 2021, and he's done it in uh, basically June of 2023 because he had 37 37 strikeouts this month so far, 13 home runs. Um, He had 13 home runs in June of 2021 with 33 strikeouts. So he basically is one and two. Um, And then you got to go back to 1958. Rocky Calavito. Hope I pronounced that correctly. In August of 1958, he had one strikeout and had 13 home runs. And then Babe Ruth in 21, 1921. In June. June. June's that month for that. Uh, one strikeout and 13 home runs. These are fun stats to keep up with. with Shohei. <laughs> they really are. Because they, they're just they're so cartoonish. I mean, these are he's doing Wilt Chamberlain-like stuff, but the biggest complaint about Wilt was, oh, Wilt's doing it against painters and plumbers. He ain't playing yeah, no yeah. real basketball players. No, this guy's playing the best baseball players on the planet and doing Wilt Chamberlain-like stuff against them. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I, don't, I just don't know yet any – you can't really give a comp because baseball is the only sport where you can really play like there is that two-way guy. Because in basketball you're two-way, but everyone has to play offense and defense, right? Yeah, you have so to So it's do. not like – so you can be a really good defender and a really good offensive player, and that's you know that's special. But you have you're already doing both. So it would be like if every baseball player also pitched. That that's so you have to take a little bit. So mm. he's doing something that already is not. That's a good point. That is it's 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 unique because in that sport everybody don't do well, that. And and yeah, the difference is everybody has to warm up the same way. They talk about how he warms up, and they're like, well, you know, when you practice, you know, with the fielders practice differently than the the pitching staff, and mm. he does both. It's his his routine of getting to the getting to the field and all that stuff. It's like when you look into how he goes through his days and every everything has to be managed in a way to just get him sleep. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like just a thing where it's like, well, you have to be on the field, and also we don't want to overuse you to the point where it starts to be detrimental to your body and detrimental down the stretch of the season. So you're just trying to find the way. But he's just so driven; it's mm. crazy. It it really is, man. It's like I said, it's must watch television. Uh, since last season, uh, if you look at, he's got sixteen games since last season. He's got sixteen games with at least ten strikeouts, five more than any other player in that time span. 
Oh, yeah, he got 62 home runs in that time span, too. And I said, people make it like, oh, he's like Debo saying, like, Debo don't play defense. Like, who's the best defensive player in the league? Aaron Donald? So, Aaron Donald and Matt Patrick Mahomes. Basically, Aaron Donald dropping back and playing quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Or Patrick Mahomes playing D line like Aaron it's Donald. Just, it's, How, just, right? it's just refrigerator Perry. <laughs> <laughs> like, there, this, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't compete. And I love what you said, though, about the. Because people talk about that in soccer too, um, but yeah, you're right. In those sports, it's requires a requirement that you have yeah. to be available to play both ends, offense and defense. In baseball, you know, for uh, for those pitchers, it's not a requirement. Well, really, no, I mean they the, just they moved. Go. They just made the uh, the designated hitter universal. They made it so now pitchers never have to hit. Yeah. It used to be at least yeah. if you're in the NL, you had to pretend to hit and take some <laughs> bad swings at it. And yeah. you'd have guys like Bartolo Colon hit a home run every once in a while because he was just a big dude with a lot of power. But, like, it, it's crazy to have in a world where now they go, you know what? That's crazy to ask pitchers to hit. It's not fun to watch. <laughs> to have a guy who not only is a pitcher who can hit, is the best hitter and the best pitcher. I mean, he leads the majors in home runs with 27 uh, in total bases with 200 RBIs, 63 extra base hits, 47 OPS, uh, and his ERA dropped last night to 2.97. It's that video game stuff, man. It's those video game things. Man, that is... uh, And and by the way, they had to change video games for him because they had to be like, well, you want to be a two-way player? Like, so now if you play MLB... You can be like him and play both pitcher and, and hitter. But like five years ago, that wasn't a thing. You were a hitter, you were a pitcher. That's a great point. They had to change the video game because he Man. made it that way. Yeah, that, that that's that's yeah, that's a hell of a, a brag right there. Yeah. <laughs> they, oh, they had to change the game. You know, they, they didn't <laughs> consider players like the me. Game. They didn't consider players <laughs> like me before. The, you know, that's right. He literally did. Man, and I, I think if you look at him, if he can keep this up, who knows how long it'll keep up. Obviously, we've been watching it for the last couple of years. But if he can stay on this pace just for, I don't know, another four or five years, um, he's going to inspire like a generation of baseball players. Yeah. And I wonder how many of them will be uh, obsessed with, well, you know, I want to play at, at high levels you know, as a pitcher and a hitter um, and inspire we, other you know, I mean, cause players. I mean, because we know most guys in high school – you know, and even in college, you play the field and you you pitch. There's a lot of guys who go both ways mm-hmm. up until. Oh yeah. But when you get to the pro level, specialized. The amount of practice it takes to do both is not like you just can't do it. And the wear and tear. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the wear, the wear and tear. tear that, that that type of stuff. I mean, that's really more the issue. A guy like uh, I remember Zach Greinke, the story that he at one point he was hating that he had to wait between starts for so long. So he was like, "Let me just be a shortstop." He's like, "Let me be a shortstop." And they were like, Sounds like no, <laughs> you can't do it. And he's like, no. And he would just and he would just go into like batting practice and then swing with his eyes closed and hit balls over the fence. And they were like, All right, we get it. But he was, he's a weird <laughs> he's a weird dude. But that was like they don't let players do that because they know it's gonna shorten your career. It's protecting your You're gonna yourself. get hurt a lot more yeah. because and you just can't practice both. Like that's really if you say, Well, they're practicing six hours a day. And their pitchers are practicing six hours a day, and hitters are practicing six hours a day. Yeah, Otani has to practice twelve hours a day now. Yeah, because he has to practice both. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's only twenty four hours is, in his day. You yes, got to sleep for. I got to sleep you, for eight to ten. And you got to travel. And just you sleep. Travel, yeah, we got, it's like only, you got to eat. All right. And, and so that's <laughs> that's really where him being able to do that withstand it, and we'll see with the rigors of the season if it gets into. Because he has had some injuries in the past, we have stopped pitching for a while. I agree. Uh, yeah, I'm with it too. Yeah, I, I want to see him it, last down the stretch. Yeah. Is he going to be able to do it? Especially when you throw in the World Baseball Classic uh, earlier this year. Which who he, threw the last pitch? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. That's a great. Yeah, it was him against Trout, right? Was yep. it? Yeah, that was he a struck great out Trout to win the game. The, uh, oh man, you're right though. That's a great point about him. Just the time spent on trying to become elite at a certain skill. And he's elite at two of them, and usually the time spent it takes other guys, you know, and how many years? Like you see hitters all the time, you just get lazy, and you see guys and they're swing, and then people go, "Oh, you're dropping your right foot, or you're, you know, the bats cannot coming through." To not have that, to have the focus and mental wherewithal to stay doing that, it's yeah, the exact you're right, mental, the mental strength too. Like you got to be mentally strong to to do that. Break, yeah, because that's it's all about focus, and you're right. How you do that? All right, that's good stuff. Let's talk about a short time. We could do that all day long, but uh, he is remarkable. Probably the best story in sports right now. We come back. We'll talk about the flex on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie, one foot on horn. 
Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Y'all ready to kick it? Come on. One, two, three. Swing it. Oh, yeah, baby. You're my fantasy. And I want everybody in the house to clap, clap, clap your hands. Come on. And I want all the fly money making fellas out there to give me the dog rule when I count to three. Ready? Y'all ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Swing it. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie on 1049 The Horn. See, this is Patrick once again trying to, you know, question, get me in, in trouble. With the coalition, because I could lose my black card now if I don't get the featured film for Midweek Movie Music. Because it's Teddy Riley, if I'm not mistaken. Featuring Guy. Oh, oh, come on. Okay, 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 okay. All right, all right, whoa, whoa, whoa. we got to focus here. Because Teddy Riley, and they can't be on a lot of soundtracks. Okay, because I got two guesses, I okay. think, here for you. Is New Jack City one of them? It's not New Jack City. Oh, Okay. Um, oh man, this is actually a weird one. Okay, it's so strange. It's in the eighties. This is eight. This is eighties too, isn't it? Or early nineties? It would have been eighties, yes. Oh no, nah, that other suggestion was nineties. Mmm. Okay. Oh man, is it something random like? Because sometimes Patrick gets a reach random movies. No, it's a, it's a famous movie. <laughs> is that a movie you know I've seen? I would assume you have. Okay. Um, it's not. You see, and it's a it's a relatively like famous. It's not some like very. No, uh, no, it's th- it's it's a it's it's a famous movie. Okay, all right, all right. I'm gonna wait. We'll see if you get the next one. Dang it! Now I'm upset with myself. I really thought that New Jack City one was gonna be good, but I think we already did that. I think we have already done New Jack City. Damn it! Okay. Um. Hmm. All right. Midweek movie music. That's when he takes songs from a particular soundtrack, plays those songs uh, for us, and based on these selections that are played, uh, supposed to gather clues and hints that lead us to the feature film of Midweek Movie Music. Go to flxatx.com. I'm worried about my black card now. Honestly, I'm distracted. I'm gonna lose my, uh, you know, because you, you only get because it's been I've been sus- I've been suspended. My black card got suspended when we didn't guess. What was it? Uh, Undercover Brother? Undercover Brother. Yeah, this that... is a much bigger movie than Undercover Brother. Oh, man. Or at least more, more well-respected. I'll give it that. Dang. All right. All right. All right. I'll, try. I'll do my best on the next one. But right now, I could get... If you get suspended, I believe, three times within <laughs> like a month, like Kanye did, then they just take your black card from you. Look, Jack didn't test you on it, though. Uh, Jack was nice. Jack was nice because Jack hooked us up. Yeah, it's true. Jack actually hooked us up because he, he actually did two. He did two. He did two. He did Purple Rain second, and what was the other? Uh, Space one? Jam, I believe. Space that. Jam. Yeah, he did. You don't lose your your black card for Space no. Jam. No, no. Looney uh, Tunes, you're not going to lose them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one though. Oh man. Now, okay. Now I'm a little stressed out. I go go to flxatx.com. Flxatx and all your social media platforms. You got tonight's Wednesday night flex. You want to tune in for it? It's the last one of the season, um, and then they'll come back uh, their next season for the flex. But uh, so the last one of the season, you want to tune in for that? That's coming up later tonight. We'll give you some details about who's going to be on the Wednesday Night Flex tonight, but go to flxatx.com, flxatx on all of your social media platforms. We come back, hopefully my black card is not suspended. We'll see how we, how we do with the next clue for Midweek Movie Music, but also we're talking Cowboys. Should the Cowboys pursue Dalvin Cook? Uh, there are some in, in NFL insiders that certainly think so. Also, Micah Parsons is beefing up, putting on weight. We'll talk about why that is actually really important for how he performs on the field and Pro Football Focus ranking all the best secondaries in the NFL. Where do the Cowboys and the Texans land? All of that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 Horn.